0: are you opened up to Colossians chapter 4 are you there so 4 and we're going to be looking at uh, verses 5 and 6 Colossians chapter 4 we're going to be looking at verses 5 and 6 here we go oh yeah you want to stand we stand in this service if you'd like to if you're tired and worn out we will still love you Colossians chapter 4, verse 5 and 6. Here we go. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Father, we pray that you would make us effective disciple-makers, that you would give us the skill, the ability, the wisdom, the opportunity, Uh, to share the greatest story. God, put us on your mission. Put us to work, God. We want to work for you. We want to serve you. Give us a heart to be obedient in that. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, Colossians chapter 4. So last week, last week, we saw Paul saying, man, I want you guys to continue steadfastly in prayer. Did you do that? Did you take some steps in prayer? I hope you did. Uh, Continue steadfastly in prayer. And then he took another step. He said, and what I want you specifically to pray for is an open door for the Word, right? An open door for the Word. So a way in which a conversation can happen about Jesus. That's really what an open door is. It's God, give me an opportunity to have a conversation with these people that I work with or that I love or that are in my family or that are in my neighborhood. Give me an opportunity for a conversation with them. Not only an opportunity, but also, God, would you open a door in the sense of receptivity. We need both those, don't we? we? We need Him to open a way for us to have the conversation. But man, while we're having the conversation, if their heart isn't open, then nothing's going to happen, right? So we also need an open door for their heart. But you know the thing about open doors is they aren't any good Unless you walk through them, right? Our little guy, he doesn't understand that. You know what he likes to do on a, about a 100-degree day? He likes to think, you know, I think I might go outside. So he opens the door and he's like, you know what, I better go check with somebody first. And he goes and comes in the living room and he sees a toy. And he's like, I think I'll play with that toy for a while. All the while the door is standing wide open, Right. But nobody's going through it. It's just letting our A.C. out, okay? And so last week, hopefully we were sold on, we need to be people who pray for open doors for the gospel. But you know what? An open door isn't any good unless we walk through it, right? So today, we're going to talk about what does it mean to walk through these open doors. Now, we know what it means to declare what what we're supposed to be declaring because Paul tells us that in verse 3. He says that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ. All right, so what, what, what are we hoping happens in this open door? Well, what we're hoping happens is that we get an opportunity to declare the mystery of Christ. You know why it's a mystery? Because people don't know, right? Kylan just told us about a person who, when, when they hear the word baptism, they don't, they have no idea what that even means. They have no idea that water is involved. They don't know about Jesus, And so what, are, what we want to happen with that open door, with that conversation and that receptive heart, is we want the opportunity to declare to them things about Jesus. Now, what kind of things? Man, the greatest things in all the world. We, we, we want to declare the mystery that Jesus is the eternal Son of God. We, we would love the opportunity to declare to them that all of history is really about Him. It's his story. We want the opportunity to declare that thousands of years before Jesus ever came, you know what? The Bible was already talking about him. It was already talking about his righteous life and his sacrificial death. It was already talking about that he would be the Messiah, that he would be the deliverer, that he would be the hero, the Savior. We want want to declare the mystery that Jesus is God's answer to sin. People are struggling under the weight of a broken world, and God is already about the business of fixing that. They just don't know it. They don't know that mystery. We want the opportunity to declare the mystery that Jesus is the bread of life. He's the light of the world. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. He's the eternal king of kings. He's going to establish a new heavens and a new earth people don't know that i talked to a guy this week he did not know that he didn't know there's going to be a new earth there's going to be a a new heavens where christ reigns he didn't know that he never heard that before right here in woodward oklahoma he did not know that we want people to know the mystery that jesus lived the perfect life and died a horrible death on the cross to serve as the payment for our sins whoever would turn away from their sin and put their faith in Jesus' righteous life and in His substitutionary death. We want people to know about the resurrection. Man, that's a mystery to people. They don't know that Jesus was dead for three days in the grave and God raised Him up to an eternal resurrection life and that that life can be shared with anyone who will turn away from trying to do it their own way, turn away from their sin and put their faith in Christ. We want people to know that it doesn't matter what tribe you're from, it doesn't matter what race you're from, it doesn't matter what nation, it doesn't matter male, female, none of that matters. Everybody is welcome at the cross. We want people to know that mystery. We want them to know that whoever ignores this great, Salvation. If you say, I'm not interested, we need them to know that if you don't have faith in the resurrected Son of God, you'll suffer an eternal judgment and wrath of God the Almighty for your sins in a place of conscious torment that the Bible calls hell. Those are the mysteries of Christ. I think there's a lot of you in this room. You know those things. Now, let me ask you a question Is there a place? for a Christianity in which you know those things, you enjoy those things, you love those things, but you don't share them with anybody. Now, the world is going to tell you yes, okay? So there's a big movement right now in the world. I've had people tell me this. Well, you can believe whatever you want to believe, but you ought not not push that on anybody else. Now, that just doesn't make sense to me. If everything I just said is true, that's who Jesus is and that's what he did and that's what he's going to do and that's what the stakes are. If you know him and love him or if you don't know him and love him, it does not make sense to hold to a faith that you don't want to share with anybody. And so I think you do want to. I think, I, I think there's really not a place. I don't, I don't know what Christianity means without mission. Like, I don't, know. I don't know the Christianity that says, man, I believe that Christ came, lived, died for me on the cross, gave me eternal life. I'm living in the riches of Jesus. I'm joined to him forevermore in the new heavens and the new earth. But I'm going to keep that quiet. I'm going to go ahead and let my neighbor perish for all eternity in the, in the conscious torment of hell because I'm going to keep it to myself. I don't, I don't, that's not Christianity. I'm not sure what that is. But Christianity is knowing those things. And then wanting other people to know him, too. Wanting other people to be drawn into that, too. All right, so Paul is saying, all right, if we're praying for open doors, if we're praying for an opportunity to declare the mystery of Christ, then we need to know, how do I do that? All right, step number one, are you ready? Wisely, okay? How do I do that? Wisely. Look at verse 5. It says, walk in wisdom toward outsiders. Who's an outsider? Somebody who's outside the faith, right? An insider is somebody who's, who's realized who Jesus is. They've repented of their sin. They put their faith in him. And now they are inside the faith. They're inside the family of God. An outsider is someone who is outside the family of God. And so step number one is, we want to walk wisely toward people who don't know Jesus. And what, what does that mean to walk wisely? Well, let's think about wisdom. What, what is wisdom? I, I would describe wisdom to you as being able to apply the truths of the Word of God to the everyday situation of life. I think that's what wisdom is. Um, let me give you some definitions. How about this? John MacArthur says it's properly evaluating circumstances and making godly decisions. So, so it's that ability to, to discern your situation you're in. You ever get put in funny situations? You ever get put in, in weird situations, awkward situations? You ever get put in those? All right. Wisdom is the ability to know what to do in that situation, right? To know how to take the truth of God and use it in that situation. Ray Ortland said, "Wisdom is skill, it's ex- expertise, it's competence that understands how how life really works, how to achieve and s- s- how to achieve success and even beautiful results." Here's my favorite, John Piper. He says, "Wisdom is knowing what to do for the glory of God when the rule book runs out." Isn't that good? Like when it doesn't it doesn't have that particular situation. Like like what do I do in this situation? Well, wisdom is knowing that. It's knowing that. Piper says it's it's creativity and tact and thoughtfulness. It's having a feel for the moment. Now, you know, the Bible does say that the pillars of wisdom are things like the fear of the Lord. So Proverbs nine ten says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, right? So if you don't fear the Lord, if you don't respect, if you're not in awe of the Lord, then you, you can't actually be wise. You can't actually know what to do in, in that situation. Um, I think it's Proverbs, um, what is it? Proverbs, uh, oh, 11, 2 says humility brings wisdom. So humility is connected. So unless you're dependent upon the Lord, you, you, really, you really won't be wise. And then the, the one that's my favorite is what Jesus said about wisdom. Remember the story he told about a guy who builds his house on the sand and a guy who builds his house on the rock? And remember what he says? He says, the guy who builds his house on the rock, he's the wise one. And why is he the wise one? Well, he says, because that guy represents the guy who hears the words of Jesus and does what? Does them, right? He does them. And, and so those are kind of the pillars of wisdom. So the fear of the Lord, humility, and then being a person who you like hear what Jesus says and you do it, right? You, you, God says something to you and you do it. That's what wisdom is, all right? And, and, and so wisdom is building your life in a way that you knew you know what to do in those situations. Do you remember the situation that the Bible gives in the Scriptures uh, for wisdom? It's King Solomon. And uh, he says he's the wisest guy that ever lived. And it gives us uh, a key example of that. He's he's reigning on his throne one day. And he's receiving people, you know, answering their questions, you know, uh, probably settling disputes. And all of a sudden, here comes two prostitutes. Two prostitutes, they both had infants at about the same time. They were laying in bed, nursing their infants overnight, uh, sleeping with their babies. One of them rolls over and kills her baby. Um, well... What what the prostitutes say is the one says, well, no, you you rolled on your baby. You killed your baby. This is my baby. The other one says, no, you know, you rolled on your baby and killed him and then you replaced him with mine. That's my baby. So you got two prostitutes that come in with one live baby and they both say, that's my baby. Now, how do you know how to handle that situation? Does that happen to you very often? That's never happened to me. You know, I don't think it ever happened to Solomon. You know, so what did he do? Well, he got his scriptures out and he looked in the index. And he says, what to do when two... Pro- no, he didn't do that. You know what? There's nothing in there. I mean, there was, there is now, but there wasn't at the time, right? So you know what he does? He uses what he knows about truth. He uses, you know, what he's been given by God to capture that moment and to do the right thing. You know what he knows about mothers? He knows that mothers will do absolutely anything to save their baby they'll they'll fight a grizzly bear if they had to save their baby he knows that about moms so you know what he does he's a pretty good actor you know so he he says hey give me a sword tells this guy bring me a sword he said i'll settle this right quick remember at that time the king had the power of life and death the king could execute anybody at any time and it was fine it was right he said bring me a sword he said i'll just cut this little critter in half you have half you have half everybody's happy what happens that one mother, the real mother, what does she do? She falls apart. No, 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 no. Give give the baby. She can have her. No more dispute. She can have the baby. Well, he captures that moment. He knows that's the real mom. All right, so what do we need to do? We need to walk in wisdom toward those who are outside the faith. So you're going to be put in all kinds of situations with people who don't know Jesus, people who need to know Jesus, and you need to have skill in handling those particular situations, right? You need to have skill with people. You need to be clearly biblical in how you handle those different situations. How, how do we get wise? Real quickly, and man, we're going to be a little short on time, so I'm going to run fast here, okay? How do we get wisdom? Uh, we've already learned that in the book of Colossians, by the way. Colossians 1.9 nine. If you read it, Paul says you ought to ask for it. You ought to pray for wisdom. James 1.5 tells us the same thing. If you like wisdom, you ought to ask for it. So number one, you ought to ask for wisdom. Number two, you ought ought to receive good Bible teaching, and you ought to hang around with wise people. Colossians 1.28, Paul says, Jesus we proclaim, warning everyone, teaching everyone with all wisdom. Paul was a Bible teacher who taught and and gave people wisdom. All right? Proverbs 13.20, I've taught my kids it. It says, he who walks with the wise is wise, the companion of fools will suffer harm. Hang around godly people, hang around wise people. Number three, wisdom comes from Jesus himself. At the end of chapter, or in chapter two, verse two and three, it talks about Christ. And then verse three says, Jesus is, in Jesus are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And then finally, Colossians 3:16. It says you ought to fill your life with the Word of God. It says, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. So how do you get wise? Well, you ask for it. You, you hear good teaching about it. You hang around wise people. You fellowship with, with wise people. You, you saturate your mind with the Word of God. And as you fill up with God's truth, and as you ask Him for wisdom, then you're going you're to know what to do in each of those situations. Unless... Unless, here's the kicker. This is the most important part, I think, of the sermon. Unless you don't have a mind, you don't have a heart that wants to grab on to every situation and act wisely. So so notice where he goes here. He says, so how are we how are we gonna do our mission? He says, verse 5: walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Making the best use of the time. What you're going to find is that wisdom always goes along with urgency. So, whenever the Bible talks about wisdom, it talks about grabbing onto the moment, making the best use of the time. It, it's a phrase that means to buy back the time, to redeem the time. It's actually a phrase that was used of business people, of, of grabbing on to a good business deal, right? So, so let's say that you are, uh, let's say you're a used car salesman. You got your used car sales lot. And you're eating breakfast one morning, and there's a uh, oil field guy there, and you say hello to him. How are you doing? He says, "Not very good. I'm selling my business today. We're closing down." You're like, "What? You're closing down? Yep, yep. We're going going under. We're gonna get rid of everything." And you, of course, you're you're wanting to capitalize on that moment, right? And you're like, "Well, how many of the how many trucks do you have in your fleet?" He says, well, "We got 20 trucks in our fleet." And you said, "Well, what are you gonna do with them?" He said, "Well, I'm gonna have to sell them. I have to get rid of them." You know, well, how much would you take for those 20 trucks right now? And he says, You know what? I'd take $30,000. You're like, Well, how old are they? He said, Well, we've bought them all in the last three years. You're like, Well, how many miles are there? He said, Well, they are different miles on each one, but really, we haven't driven them very far. And you said, You're going to sell 20 trucks for $30,000. You know what a business guy does in that moment? He redeems the time, right? You know what he does? He is writing the checkout faster than that guy can pay for his breakfast, right? He's gonna capitalize on that moment. I'm looking out on the crowd, and some of you are garage sailors. I've seen you out and about, right? You know what a garage sailor does? A good one, anyway? They redeem the time. They 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 make the most of the opportunity, right? So if you go to a garage sale and you're looking through all that junk and you open a box and there you find a whole box full of Civil War artifacts, genuine. And then right next to it, a whole box full of China from the late 1800s. You know what a good garage seller does? They redeem the time. They make the most effort. You know what they do? They close those boxes up and they hug them. They won't let go of them. They drop their baby. They let go of the baby and they hold on to those boxes. And and they go and pay for them right then. And then they rode their bike there. Okay, but they, they ride their bike home with the boxes and the baby, all right? Because they are not letting them, because they redeem the time. All right, Paul is telling you, how do you be wise toward outsiders? Well, you got to learn to make the most of every opportunity. That's what he's telling you to do. He said, "If, if you're going to live wisely toward o- outside, if you're going to obey your mission, then then you got to learn to buy up. You got to learn to have a sense of urgency about the opportunities." All right, here's what I know is true. This week, you know what you're going to do. Most likely, you're going to order food at a restaurant. You're going to pick up your kid or grandkid from some sporting event, softball or soccer or something. If you're a mom, you may be at the water park or the swimming pool where there's other moms that are there. Um, You may deliver parts to a rig. You may go on a service call. You may eat some cake at a wedding reception. You may say hello to your neighbor while you're watering your flowers. You may stand in line at the grocery store. All of you are going to probably do that. You're going to stand in line at the grocery store. Okay, now. What does wisdom do? Wisdom seeks to buy back each one of those opportunities. All right? So what does wisdom do? Well, wisdom realizes there are going to be people in every one of those situations who don't know Jesus. And so what wisdom does is it asks, all right, what needs to be done in this situation? How do I capitalize on this opportunity? That's what wisdom does. It makes the most, it makes the best use of the time. What's going to give me the biggest value? You know, probably all those things happened to you last week, right? You probably went to a restaurant. You probably stood in a line at a grocery store. You probably picked up a kid somewhere. Just just review real quick. Did did you did you buy back any of those times? Not, I'm not asking for results. I'm not saying did anybody get saved. Not, hey, you know, that's up to God. But what I am saying is, did you consciously... Try to be wise in that situation, right? And again, wisdom—you never know what what what's what's it going to demand. We don't. That's that's where wisdom comes in. You, you you got you got to figure out what does this moment need, right? If you're in Walmart and you're behind a mom with four kids and. All of a sudden, one of them throws up on one side of the cart. The other one's grabbing candy off the other side of the cart. The other one's taking his diaper off and doing the you know, the lasso thing, okay? What does wisdom do in that moment? You know what wisdom probably doesn't do? Wisdom probably doesn't do, ma'am, let me tell you about the greatest thing in my life. You know? Let me tell you about what Jesus did for me. Okay, Wisdom probably doesn't do that. Right, wisdom probably more likely says something like, "Ma'am, I, can I help you in some way? Can I go get you a paper towel? Can I, you know, you want me to hold this little critter while you get that cleaned up? You know, do you? Yeah, can I help you in some, ma'am? It's okay. We've had days like this. You're gonna make it, right? It. Wisdom probably does figures out what is needed right in this moment to display the love of Jesus. Okay, right? But you know, you know what's really tempting to do. <clears throat> Right? You know what that's called? That's called doing nothing. But what it's called is you, you, just, you didn't seize your opportunity. Right? You didn't, you didn't grab on. You did not, look at verse 5, you did not make the best use of the time. Now you're saying, well, yeah, I did because I got out of there quicker, right? And I got home to watch Netflix and I saw one more show of HGTV. No, you didn't. You see, God has a purpose for you. He's got a mission for you. That's what he's saying. Consider, how do I walk in wisdom toward outsiders? How do I make the best use of the time? You won't be wise unless you start thinking that way. It doesn't matter how much scripture you know. It does not matter how much truth you can recite. You won't be wise until you learn to make the best use of those moments. You see, wisdom and urgency always go together. Let let me me just prove this to you real quick. So, you go over to Ephesians 5, Paul talks about wisdom. He says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. And then he says, Making the best use of the time. Do do you see how he always pairs those together? So, So, wisdom is always paired with making the best use of the time. So, you can know all kinds of stuff. But if in that moment with the outsider, the one who's outside of Christ, you're not thinking to yourself, man, how do I, how do I grab onto this opportunity to declare Christ? If you don't do that, you won't be wise. You can, you can go to the other line and know all kinds of stuff. You won't act wisely. Acting wisely means taking advantage of the opportunity. In the book of the Bible, that is what we call our wisdom book, book of Proverbs. There's a recurring thing over and over and over again. It's the theme of the sluggard. You remember that? And, and, and the theme of the sluggard is this. He's a guy who doesn't take advantage of his opportunity. In, 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 in those passages about the sluggard, he's the guy that doesn't plant wheat when he's supposed to plant wheat. He's the guy that doesn't harvest when he's supposed to harvest. He's the guy that's always putting off. He, he doesn't seize the opportunity, and therefore he is not wise. And so what wisdom does is wisdom realizes the potential gain, the incredible impact that every opportunity holds. I hope that this passage excites you. It does me. I, I, I can't tell you how exciting it is to think that a trip to the grocery store might enable me to be part of somebody's eternity in heaven. Isn't that cool? I may not get to see it, but I might be a part of it. Isn't it exciting that a trip to pick up Haven at softball practice might, might be used of the Spirit of God to change somebody's eternity, maybe change a family? Man, that that's exciting stuff. You know, you know what I call that? I call that high-yield investments. Like when, 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 when you see the mission of God in this way, and you know that the Holy Spirit is working, and you just get to be a part of it, all of a sudden, you, got, you start seeing these high-yield investments. I, I think so much other stuff is a low-yield investment. HDTV, listen, we're not going to do all that stuff to our house. We're just not going to, you know? Man, we're lucky if we get the dishes done. I mean, that's just the reality. I mean, I don't need to watch more of that. It's a low-yielder, right? It's a, if you do one, if you do half the stuff on it, it's still a low-yielder. But the mission of God, declaring the gospel of Christ, is a high-yield investment. Now, what everybody wants to know is, okay, pastor, but what should I say, right? That's what keeps us from doing something sometimes, right? Is What should I say? Well, I don't know. I can just tell you that. I don't know. You know why? Because wisdom is the thing that leads you to know what to say in that moment, right? I can't tell you what to say because I don't know what that moment's going to demand. Sometimes you need to say nothing you need to help. Sometimes you need to love. Sometimes you need to pray. Sometimes you need to brag on Jesus a little bit. Sometimes you need to talk about a a deep theological truth. I don't know. Wisdom is the thing that teaches you what to say. But Paul gives us two great pieces of advice here. All Number one, he says, let your speech always be gracious. All right? So that helps, doesn't it? So here's what I do know. Even though I don't know what to say in every situation already, that wisdom's going to bring that. What I do know is whatever I say always needs to be gracious. The word gracious means attractive, charming, winsome. It's a winning quality of attractiveness that invites a favorable reaction. That's right out of my Greek dictionary. So essentially what, what it's saying is be nice, be gentle, be complimentary, be encouraging. You know, a lot a lot of the things we have to say in the gospel are hard things, but you don't have to say them rudely. You don't have to say them abrasively. You, you you shouldn't compromise truth, but you can also say things really kindly. I was talking to a guy this week about the gospel, and he said one of the wrongest, <laughs> worst things I can imagine. Like like, you know, sometimes people are a little bit off. Like this is not in this this is not in the same hemisphere off, all right? Now, how should I handle that? I felt like I, I couldn't let it go. There's sometimes like people will say things that are a little bit off, and i I'll, I'll just let it go because i'm I'm waiting for my shot for the gospel, you know. but in this case, I couldn't. like it was so off that i I had to I had to say something. But you know what I tried to do? I said it as graciously and as kindly. I think kind of the way I did it was I said, I said, you know, that's an interesting way to look at that. But, you know, you could also look at it like this, you know. We should always be gracious. Now, some of you are tremendous arguers, you know. You learned it from a small age. You were you were the one that drove your, your mother into the, you know, this insane asylum by, you know, the constant why and bickering, you know, you you are just incredible at that, okay? Please lose that skill, okay? Because it's just not very, it's not very productive in the gospel. Hardly anybody argues people into heaven. They they just don't do that. All right? So, so don't, don't, don't argue. Be gracious with your words. Let's say I've got the world's greatest cookie. Wouldn't that be something? I got the world's greatest cookie. It not only tastes better than anything you've ever tasted in your life, but it's got zero... No, it's got negative calories. You eat it and you lose weight, all right? This is an incredible cookie. It's the world's greatest cookie, okay? But what if I come up to you and I say... I've got the world's greatest cookie, and I want you to have it. And I want you to have it because I've been watching you. Every time I drive down Oklahoma Avenue, you're coming out of a convenience store. And I see you with ho-hos and ding-dongs and pork rinds. And, I mean, you eat horrible, you know. I can't believe that you're still alive as bad as you eat. And I I think probably the way you look the way you look because you eat so bad and so unhealthy. And so I want you to have the world's greatest cookie. Now, if I say it like that, what happens? You don't want my cookie anymore. It's still the world's greatest cookie. But you I wasn't gracious. Second Timothy two, twenty-four and twenty-five is great advice for people sharing truth. It says, In the Lord's servant, hopefully that's you, must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to acknowledge. Leading to a knowledge of the truth. So, number one, be gracious. Number two, let your words be seasoned with salt. And I know in our culture right now, salty speech means like aggressive, you know, rude. That's not at all what Paul means. Paul means really the opposite. Paul means you you ought to you ought to you ought to season your words about the gospel about Jesus, so that they taste as tasty as possible. Because he's good. Listen you got the greatest message in all the world, okay? I don't care what anybody says. I, my personal belief is that there's a whole lot of movies that all they did was rip off the gospel. All they did was take the principles of this great story of redemption and, and Savior, this great Redeemer, and they just kind of changed it, put some superhero costumes on it, and made it a movie, all right? Jesus Christ's story is the greatest story ever. And so you know what our job is? We, we, we want to say it as savory as possible as tasty as possible, as beautiful as possible. If there's anything you ought to work on, it's that. You ought to work on that. Work on bragging on Jesus in the greatest possible way. Now, notice how this ends, okay? Notice how this ends. So the last phrase is, So let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. See, that's what we all want. I want to know how to answer people, Right? That person that comes up and says, you know, hey, I believe in evolution. You know, I believe that we all, you know, there is no God. This thing just banged into into the cosmos and, you know, there was a monkey and that's my uncle. And, you know, that's who I am. Man, I want to know how to answer that guy. I want to know how to answer him. The, The lady that comes up and I find out that she's lost her son in a tragic accident. And she's just wondering, is, is there a God? If for this horrible thing to happen to me, could there be a God? I want to know what to say to her. I want to know what to say to people. And I think you do too. And, and here's the thing. We can't know that ahead of time. If we, we want to know what to say, what do we need to do? Amen. We need to, let's, let's walk through it. We need to pray steadfastly and continually. And we need to ask God for open doors, opportunities, and receptive hearts. We need to walk wisely with outsiders, making the most use of the time. We need to look at every moment in time as a gospel opportunity to display the glory of Jesus. And then whatever we do say, we need to say it graciously. And we, we need to say it as seasoned and as beautifully as we can say it. If that's your heart, so you're going to walk out of here, I'm going to do those things. I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask God for open doors. I'm, I'm going I'm to try to walk wisely. I'm going to fill my life with the Word of God. And I'm going to try to fear the Lord. And I'm going to try to grab onto every line, every drop off of my kids, every, every opportunity I've got. I'm going to try to grab onto it for the gospel. Here's the promise you will know what to say. Isn't that cool? You'll know. Man, you'll know. And and, and whatever, as you submit to the Holy Spirit, whatever comes out, God's going to use it. I think that's the promise there. You're, you'll know what you ought to say to each person. That's exciting. Man, that just fills my life with really exciting stuff. I uh, There was a deal this week that I didn't want to go to. You ever have stuff like that you just don't want to do, you know? I didn't want to, but I knew that I, I should, so I did. But I asked God, I said, God, give me, give me an opportunity. God, I'm, I'm going to go do this. And so give me something to grab. Give me an opportunity that I can grab onto. Man, I wasn't there 15 minutes. And I met this guy for the first time. And I had one of the coolest gospel conversations I've ever had. And it continued throughout the night. I had several others. I had several opportunities, not just gospel conversation, but to love on people in practical ways, build, build a continuing relationship. And I, I, was, I was in the middle of that. It was almost done. I was really feeling like, man, God, this was a productive time. And I looked over, and, and I just, I don't know, this is a common scene. You've seen it before. But I looked over, and, and there was a kind of a, a bunch of people sitting in a row almost. And I wish I could have took a picture for you, because it was cool. Every one of them, every single one of them, you know what they were doing? Looked just like this. Now, I don't know what they were doing. They may have been on Kylan's Twitter page praying for North Africa. They may have been doing that. They may have been engaging in their friend on social media in a gospel. I don't know. I don't know. But I kind of think they weren't doing any of that. And I, I, it just reminded me of how easy it is to let those opportunities go by. Man, if you're a believer, God's God's given you a mission. There really isn't any Christianity without a mission. If you're a Christian, you got a mission. Let's be obedient. Let's do what God tells us to do. Father in heaven, we pray for strength. We pray for wisdom. God, we ask that you would just fill our minds with your truth and and God... We ask you to help us to know what to do, how to act in every situation. Father, give us a heart to just grab on to these opportunities that come our way. Father, I pray that we would learn to capitalize on on every moment of time for the gospel. And Lord, that you would give us gracious speech, salty speech. God, help us to talk about Jesus in ways that show just how cool you are. Just how awesome you are. Father, we ask it in Christ's name. Amen.